as an aside before I begin, I think it's important for us to know, as Deacon Russ proclaimed that gospel that just a couple weeks ago, he himself renewed his baptism, baptismal vows in the River Jordan. And so he's got some powerful stories, so corner him after church and let him talk your ear off. But it just struck me as you read that, and I think it struck you too, just the, the powerful symbolism of that, so thank you. So Mark gets right down to business, right? He immediately jumps in. He doesn't have all the fluff of the other Gospels, right? So you have, you have Matthew, who's probably a historian. He starts with so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so. He's the genealogist. He's gone to Ancestry.com and traced this family tree. <laughs> then you got Luke, who's an academic. He's a doctor. And if you know any academics, God bless him. He has to start with an outline of his research methods. Right? Then you have John. We don't really know how to peg John. He's, he's something. He's a mystic. He's a poet. So he starts with this beautiful poem. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Mark doesn't do any of that. Mark is a get-down-to-business kind of guy. So he starts immediately. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. No angels, no shepherds, no Mary, no Joseph. No manger, no Christmas. But yet we read it in Advent because of what comes later. John the Baptist is in here. We're going to talk about John the Baptist next week because we get to spend a couple weeks on that guy. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now Mark not only starts in a hurry, he continues in a hurry. The word immediately is found in Mark's gospel more than anywhere else in the scriptures. Jesus immediately did this, and immediately did that, and immediately did that. Doesn't seem the guy ever slept or took breaks, because immediately he was going on doing wonderful works. So I take Mark to be kind of like the Netflix binge-watching of the gospel, <laughs> right? You know, Netflix, if you watch it too long, the timer comes up. Maybe y'all don't watch as much TV as I do. <laughs> And it says, are you still watching? Yeah, and it counts down. So Mark's like that, right? Just one after another. Where John and Luke and Matthew, they give us some breaks, right? There's a week between episodes. Mark is Netflix, and it's one right after another. But with that in mind, and knowing that we're in the season of Advent, a season of waiting, a season of slowing down, I thought we'd look at just four words that we'd spend some time on just four words from the opening of the Gospel of Mark. Two words, and then two words, two pairs. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So the first two words, which in the Greek is actually one word, but that messes with my symmetry. Good news. In today's world, we hear that term good news, and for me, I always wait for the second shoe. The good news is, but the bad news is. The good news is there's going to be snow. The bad news is it's going to melt and you still have to go to school. <laughs> the good news is the car, you know, the good news is everyone's okay, but the bad news is the car is wrecked. 
We use this term good news in everyday conversation. It's become part of a cliche. We use it to talk about the mundane, the normal, the everyday experiences of our life. So I think it might lose something. Because these words to us are so common, I wonder how we encounter it here at the beginning when Mark says the good news of Jesus Christ. There's a couple explanations. Perhaps Mark's just really excited, right? He seems like an excitable guy. And so maybe it's just this is good news and I want to share it with you. That's one possibility. Two is that maybe it's a phrase that Jesus used about himself and a phrase that the disciples used. And so Mark here carries it over, that what is happening is the good news. Those two might be true, but what's also true is that this term, evangelion, the Greek word good news, was a technical term reserved for the emperor. Good news, Caesar has won a victory. Good news, Caesar has had a child. Good news, Caesar is celebrating a birthday. This was a technical term reserved for the emperor. So it's like the beginning of the Roman Empire press releases, right? You send it out, you say, good news, so-and-so. And then the empire used the force of the state, the Roman military, to make sure people in these occupied lands celebrated. I wish I could force people to celebrate. And so this term, I think, loses something when we just talk about good news. So when Jesus uses this term about his own ministry, when Mark starts his gospel talking about this good news, they are purposely setting up their story. They are purposely setting up their message in direct opposition to the ruling authorities of the day. The empire had their good news of power and control and bloodshed and war. But Jesus comes with his good news of comfort and peace and healing and sacrifice and love. This good news which the followers of Jesus proclaim, this good news that we proclaim, is a stark challenge to the ruling authorities of their day, and I'd venture to say to our day as well. So let's back up to another two words at the very beginning of this. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The beginning. These two words sound innocuous, just like a transition phrase. They obviously start the story. If we would unroll a scroll, they would have been at the very top. If we turn in our Bible, they're going to be the top of the page. So why then does Mark need to tell us with these words that what we're reading at the beginning of the story that he wrote down, why does Mark feel the need to be explicit and say, this is the beginning? Perhaps Mark isn't just simply stating the obvious. Perhaps Mark's not reminding us that the first words we read are the beginning. What if this phrase, the beginning, is a title for the entire Gospel of Mark. What if this phrase, the beginning of the good news, is a summarization of everything that happens for the next 16 chapters? 
Jesus' life, Jesus' death, Jesus' resurrection. What if that is just the beginning? If the whole entire gospel, then, is just the beginning, then the natural question, at least for me, becomes, what's the middle, what's the end, what comes next? And that's where you and I come in, I think. Jesus lived the beginning of the good news. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they wrote down just the beginning of the good news. And then you and I and countless Christians around the world come along and we play our part in the next chapter of the good news. We play our part in the next chapter of the story of God's love for this world. And so we pick up where Jesus left off. We pick up where the apostles left off. We pick up with the mission of God in our own time. This beginning of the good news gives us, those of us who live in the middle, it gives us a purpose. It gives us a promise. And it gives us the hope that we are one more person in this larger story. We talked earlier that this good news was a challenge in Jesus' day. It was an affront to the ruling authorities, and it was a challenge to those who took up that name of Jesus and followed him. And it's still a challenge for us today. This is by no means an easy life. We are called to do hard things. But but we're up for this challenge because once this good news takes hold in our lives, there's nothing we can do except go out and share it with others. Go out and tell that story. Go out and continue to live that story of the mission of God. Now I'll end this sermon with some good news and some bad news. We'll come full circle. I'm not going to ask you which one you want first because that'll ruin the surprise. The bad news is there's still so much brokenness in this world. The bad news is we're not far off from the occupying forces of Jesus' day. There's forces in our own lives that keep us in chains and keep us held down. There's forces in our own life that try to overpower us. The bad news is there's so many places in this world in which God's reconciling and welcoming and healing love seems so far off. But the good news is that we are the next chapter in that story that began 2,000 years ago. The good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that continues with us each and every day. The good news is that we, you and I, are the characters next up in this gospel story. But for me, at least, the best news, the really good news, is that the story isn't over yet. Amen.